أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله by Allah تعالى we start today the fourth مجلد of uh, for Mujalladat, uh, fourth volume of the commentary on Riyadh al-Salihin. And uh, Allah, Allah has to be praised just like he got us through uh, the first three, inshallah. We'll get through this uh, fourth one as well and it will be uh, khair and barakah, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Babu ta'kidi wujub al-zakati wa bayani fadliha wa ma yuta'allaqu biha. So the chapter regarding the emphasis uh, and the emphatic obligation of zakat and the explication of its virtue and those things that are connected therewith. قال الله تعالى وأقيموا الصلاة وآتوا الزكاة وقال تعالى وما أمروا إلا ليعبدوا الله مخلصين له الدين حنفاء ويقيموا الصلاة ويؤتوا الزكاة وذلك وذلك دين القيمة وقال تعالى خذ من أموالهم صدقة تطهرهم وتزكيهم بها. Allah most high said in his book he says Establish the prayer and give uh, zakat. Uh, Allah Most High also said in His book, and they were not, and when describing the believers, uh, they were not commanded except for to worship Allah, making their deen purely and sincerely for Him, inclining to the truth and establishing the prayer and giving zakat. And that is the deen that is upright in which there is no crookedness. Uh, and Allah Most High said, uh, to the Prophet وسلم, take some portion of their wealth um, by which you uh, cleanse them and purify them and make them grow. And uh, the term zakat uh, uh, in the uh, linguistically it means to purify something and uh, it can also mean to, to grow. And Shara'an Juz'un Maksusun Yukhraju Min Mali Maksusin Ala Wajheen Maksusin That it is a, uh, you know, some, a part of the, basically a part of wealth that's taken out in a particular way uh, for a particular purpose. And again, it's sufficient for a person to know how important zakat is that it's mentioned in the, uh, in the Quran with uh, the mention of Salat uh, so many times uh, to the point where both just like Salat a person cannot imagine uh, in Islam without Salat uh, a person cannot imagine Islam without Zakat either and it's important you know Zakat is some people in the modern age they refer to it as the lost pillar obviously not everybody is paying Zakat if everybody was paying Zakat we would have dramatically lower rates of poverty uh, zakat is something that people don't study. The most people usually know about zakat is this 2.5% of something. What it is 2.5% of, people don't really know. And uh, the fact is that there are different rates of zakat that are levied against different types of wealth. There's a different way of levying zakat against crops. There's a different way of levying zakat against, um, against uh, things that are mined. Uh, there's a different way of levying zakat against livestock. And people really don't, don't know how any of these things work. And uh, they don't give them. And the Muslim world, mashallah, has some of the best agricultural land in the entire world. Um, the land of Egypt is so fertile. It, you know, at one point or another, before someone had this idea of, like, let's just grow cotton and get cash instead, um, they grew enough wheat to feed the entire um, Arab world. Uh, the land of Sham is fertile. The land of Iraq is fertile. Rivers run through it. Um, it gets so much heat. It would have been otherwise just a, a, an arid desert except for these huge rivers run through it. And so the Sawad is completely um, like one of the most, or at least historically has been one of the most productive and fertile uh, pieces of land in the entire world and amassed great wealth through the agricultural production of, of that land. Uh, the Indian subcontinent, really there's so many things over there that grow 
the Southeast Asian archipelago, so many things that grow that outside of those countries, if people didn't see the fruits that come from those countries, they would not have thought that such agriculture is even possible. Uh, but uh, sadly, people don't pay their zakat, they don't take their zakat out, they don't give their zakat, and it's a curse and a blight, not only on the poor that don't receive their right, but also on the wealthy as well, that their money uh, no longer has any baraka in it. And this is something that's been seen, that I've seen people who have haram businesses, that they eat and drink from haram wealth, that uh, their money has no baraka in it. You may have people who run, you know, multi-million dollar businesses and their children all grew up addicted to drugs or, uh, you know, these types of things. There's no baraka in it. What do you expect? What do you expect? And uh, that money is then cursed. And one of the types of haram wealth and one of the types of cursed wealth is what's referred to as kanz. Um, kanz is, is what, in the, particularly in the context of zakat, kanz in general means like treasure, but in the context of zakat, kanz is that mo money that a person um, doesn't pay zakat from, all of it becomes poisoned. All of it becomes poisoned. And if a person ever makes toba, the way that they can remove the curse from that, that wealth and from that money is what? Is by paying the zakat. Obviously the risk of everybody is apportioned. Allah gave everybody a, a, a risk, a portion of risk, and they're the ones who choose to make it halal or haram. And this is the whole issue is that of baraka versus la'na, of curse versus blessing, is that if you're given a certain amount, you're going to get one way or the other. And you choose to make it haram, then the part of it that you weren't supposed to get in the first place anyway, you're going to lose it one way or the other. Paying the zakat doesn't decrease your wealth. In fact, the, the, the text of the Qur'an and the word of zakat itself seems to indicate that it will cause your money to multiply and it will cause your money to grow. And it's really interesting, linguistical, the linguistical meanings for riba and for zakat are actually very similar. If you look them up in the dictionary, there's a fair, if you made a Venn diagram, there's a fair amount of overlap between the two words. But look how, how different they are. In, in their haqqaiq, in their spiritual reality. That one of them just saps everything of barakah, it literally causes enmity in society, it causes things to move toward collapse and chaos. Whereas the other one, it you know, seals up gaps that are there in society and it, um, it shores up holes that are there in society and it brings those things that are broken back toward wholeness and back toward uh, being in a good state. That people, if they're productive, you know, not every poor person is lazy. Right? Sometimes people would get a job, but they just can't, you know, they don't have a car to go to work. Sometimes they would, you know, I don't know, they would, they would do, do the habits of like good upright citizens that, you know, should spend on the economy and whatever. But uh, they're just not able to get by with it. You know, they would be good workers. But if a single mother has nobody to support her, nobody to support her kids, no medical insurance, none of those things, um, then yeah, sure, she's going to be like late to work from time to time. She's going to miss work from time to time. Uh, or, or a father for that matter as well. That we should give respect to the fathers that work. It's not only the single mothers, mashallah, they do a lot as well. May Allah ta'ala give them a high maqam. Fathers also do a lot. Uh, but the issue is this, you know, sons do a lot. I, I, know, I know many sons that take care of their, their sick and aged mother or their disabled mother or father or siblings and things like that. It's the same thing. You're not going to be able to hold a job because you have other things you have to take care of. Zakat is a way of sealing those things up as well. And so if a person, at any rate, they're holding on to kans, denying zakat is obligatory on them is not going to help. Denying what zakat is isn't going to help. I've heard all sorts of crackpot theories from people just because they don't want to give what they have. The fun part of zakat is everybody can afford it. Why? Because it's not on the gross income. It's, about, it's on what's left over afterward, right? Um, and so people, well, I pay taxes and the taxes help the poor. Right? That's not zakat. I've heard this from people, people whose hair, gray hair have become white. You know, one man I heard this from him and I was like, my good Lord. I go, uh, you know, the day you realize how wrong this is, please just pay, pay your back zakat. It's not going to be good. The hadith of the Prophet that kans will be heat, heated up and they will be branded. Their foreheads will be branded with the hot metal of it and their sides. I said, even a penny, who's going to be able to be patient with that? In the hellfire nonetheless. 
uh, it's not it's not a good thing just to go ahead and let it go it's okay let it go it's not anything you need it's after all your expenses are all done what's left over you give from that uh, it's not going to kill anybody you're all everyone is going to survive you know the same thing so you know the same thing with the farmers the same thing the thing with herders there's a nisab that you keep that's that 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 you're not taxed on if you really need your bare necessities you know what's the nisab anyone here you guys some students of knowledge what's the nisab of crops Everyone should know this, right? It's khamsatu awsuq, right? What's the nisab of gold? Yeah, 40, 40, 40 mithqals, so it's 40, 40 uh, dinars, right? A dinar is a coin that's uh, uh, around what? Uh, four grams? Uh, and uh, what is the nisab in silver? 200 dirhams. And a dirham is a coin that's about three grams, right? And so whatever weight equivalents of them, right? What's the nisab, what's the nisab in, in uh, livestock? Mawashi, bakar, ghanam, and ibn. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I don't remember that either myself. Like you look it up, we read the chapter again, but because it's like so rarely, rarely applied. I know farmers in, in America, I don't know any, any pastoralists that actually own like herds of livestock. But the point is just go ahead and give it. It's what, what's left afterward. It's okay. If you have a herd that that's, that's that big, inshallah, you'll, get, you'll produce more uh, by next year. You know, the animals will, will, will procreate. If you have land, you'll produce more in land. It's, uh, you'll produce more by next year. There will be a crop next year as well. It's really interesting, like the whole economic system that the Sharia drives, right? If you're going to get hit with zakat and you don't want to get hit with the zakat because if you're a billion billionaire, you know, like 2.5% comes out to like a lot of money, right? It comes like to $25 million, right? So you want to save that $25 million. What's a way that you can like lawfully run away from zakat? Just invest it in the economy, buy stuff. Don't just have the money locked up in cash. This is the whole like liquidity is what, what ends up bringing economies down. It's not that there's like the money doesn't exist. The money exists. Nobody would starve to death. The money is there to feed everybody like 10 times over. The money is there for solve all sorts of problems in the world. Um, but it's, it's liquidity which, which is the problem. And this is like such a small and simple solution. It drives the economy in ways or pushes the economy in ways that are really for the, for the general welfare of everybody. Um, but, uh, you know. The person who fears Allah Taala, they'll uh, they'll take it, they'll they'll take heed and they'll benefit and they'll benefit others. And the person who, whose uh, greed is like so disgusting that they um, that they don't care to harm others. Ironically, they'll end up harming, harming themselves as well uh, in this world and in the hereafter. When Abdullah ibn Umar radiAllahu Taala anhum and Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam qala 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 buni al-Islam ala khamsin shahadati Allah ilaha illallahu anna Muhammad Rasulullahi wa anna Muhammad Rasulullahi wa iqam al-salati wa ita al-zakati wa hajj al-bayti wa sawmi Ramadan sallallahu alaihi wasallam muttafaqun alayhi. It's a hadith narrated by Abdullah ibn Umar radiAllahu Taala anhum that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said. That Islam is built on five. That's why we call it the five pillars, right? That Islam is built on five, uh, on five things. On the testimony that there is no God except for Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his messenger, and on establishing the prayer, and on giving zakat, and on making Hajj of the holy house. May Allah subhanahu wa taala give his madad to the hujjaj that are there and those who are on the way to his house. Amin. And the fast of the month of Ramadan, and it's narrated both by. Bukhari and Muslim. وعن طلحة بن عبيد الله ابن عثمان بن عمرو بن كعب التيمي رضي الله تعالى عنه قال جاء رجل إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من أهل نجد ثائر الرأس نسمع دوية صوته ولا نفقه ما يقول حتى دنا من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فإذا هو يسأل عن الإسلام فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم خمس صلوات في اليوم والليلة فقال هل علي غيرها قال لا إلا أن تطوع فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وصيام شهر رمضان قال هل علي غيره قال لا إلا أن تطوع قال 
والذكر له رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الزكاة فقال هل علي غيرها قال لا إلا أن تطوع فأدبر الرجل وهو يقول والله لا أزيد على هذا ولا أنقص فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أفلح إن صدق متفق عليه So this is a very uh, interesting hadith mashallah and there are a couple of things that I wanted to uh, mention in the dhimn of talking about the meaning of the hadith. The first is that it's narrated by Sayyidina Talha ibn Ubaidillah. Sayyidina Talha is a cousin of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he is a, a noble person of Quraysh. He's one of the first people who accepted uh, Islam and he's one of the ten that are promised paradise uh, uh, again and again by the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to the point where it's become a point of aqidah for us and he is uh, one of the five that accepted Islam at the hands of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq when he first preached Islam uh, and he is one of the six that were uh, uh, appointed by Sayyidina Umar عنه, to uh, discuss with themselves to make mashra in order to appoint the next uh, uh, the next uh, uh, Khalifa after him uh, because he was one of those that it was well known that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, passed away and he was pleased with him. The Rasul وسلم, used to nickname him uh, Talhatul Khair or Talhatul Jood, uh, uh, Talha uh, of good and Talha of, of generosity. Uh, he was one of the first uh, uh, people who made hijrah in the path of Allah Ta'ala. Uh, and although he was not there in the Battle of Badr, the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam actually reserved a share of the, the ghanima, the war treasure for him, indicating that he was uh, there by the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's permission. And uh, in, case, in case some of the uh, conspiracy theory minded Muslims uh, should raise an objection about him, about this, that he was there by the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's grace and the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam actually gave him a share of the ghanima from, uh, from the Battle of Badr. He was there on the, at the Battle of Uhud and he participated in it so vigorously uh, 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 that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu used to say ذَلَكَ يَوْمٌ كُلُّهُ كَانَ لِطَلْحَةَ that it was such a day that all of it belongs to Talha uh, and uh, why is that? It's because when the uh, Quraysh saw their opportunity to assassinate the Prophet and they f- focused all of his, their forces uh, on him, that, uh, that, that, that he himself was one of those who personally put his body in between the uh, strikes of Quraysh and between uh, the noble person of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Uh, so he defended the Prophet Sallallahu so vigorously that uh, 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 Sayyidina Aisha anha is the, she said that he's one of the ones that's meant by the uh, word of the Qur'an uh, 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 praising those mimman qada nahbahu wa ma baddalu tabdila the one who basically uh, gave up his life uh, for the sake of Allah and they never changed. They never, uh, they never changed, meaning that they never rotted or spoiled from their pristine state in which they uh, fought for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Uh, and in, uh, uh, on the day of Uhud in particular, there was one incident that occurred that uh, someone, uh, somebody attempted to strike the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with his weapon and uh, Talha actually blocked it with his own hand, radiallahu anhu. And he uh, received such a deep and uh, such a devastating wound that his hand was no longer functional after that day. It wasn't amputated, but it was no longer functional after that day. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ أَوْجَبَ طَلْحَ The Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said about, about him that day that Talha uh, has become He's made, made, it, made it wajib, made it wajib what? Meaning he's made it wajib for him to enter into Jannah. Uh, he was assassinated on the, uh, uh, on the day of uh, the Waqit al-Jamal by uh, a, a person who shot an arrow uh, from the side of uh, uh, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu without permission. 
And Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu actually, uh, when, that, when he saw that he, his arrow actually hit one of the commanders on the other side or one of the big, big shots on the other side, he started to vaunt as if he did something good. And Sayyidina Ali ta'ala anhu shook his head and he said that, I heard the Messenger of Allah ta'ala say that the curse and uh, the, the warning of Jahannam for the person who kills this man. Uh, and uh, his body was taken to Basra and he's buried there and his mazar is well known until this day. And so he narrates his hadith. Uh, he's a Taymi, so he's from the clan of Quraysh uh, that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu belongs to. Uh, he narrates that a man came to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, from the people of Najd, Tha'ir uh, al-Ras, meaning his hair was completely like disheveled. He has crazy hair. Nasma'u dawiya sawtihi wala nafqahu ma yaqulu hatta dana min Rasulullah So we heard the drum of his voice that he was saying something but it was unintelligible uh, until uh, he came near the Messenger of Allah وسلم, uh, and he came close to him and then he asked him something. And so this Dammam ibn Tha'laba, uh, I wanted to share uh, 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 what Hafiz ibn, uh, ibn al-Athir with the Hamza uh, wrote about him in his uh, Uslul Ghaba. There are a number of Biographi biographical collections uh, about the lives of the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Um, Hafiz ibn Hajar, his Isaba. There's the uh, uh, Isti'ab of Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar. Uh, there are a number of collections like that, but the Uslul Ghaba is, mashallah, uh, uh, it, it has its own it has its own quality. It may not be as like tahqiqi as Hafiz ibn Hajar is, but it tells the stories uh, very compellingly about the companions عنهم, while still maintaining all of the necessary uh, scholarly uh, uh, ingredients in order to be a, a useful biographical dictionary. So uh, Ibn al-Athir, he says, Dammam with al-Dad, Ibn Tha'labat al-Sa'di, Ahadu Bani Sa'd bin Bakr waqila al-Tamimi wa laysa bi shay. So there's a difference of opinion whether this is the same person, but uh, um, there seems to be a number of uh, a number of uh, um, ulama that say that it's uh, that it's Dhammam radiyallahu ta'ala anhu Hafiz Bulqini uh, he he says that it's from the Mubhamat that it's unknown Qadi Iyad, however, uh, he says that it's it's Dhammam uh, ibn Tha'laba uh, and so did Ibn Battal. Uh, both, uh, both of them are great muhaddithin uh, from, uh, from the Maghrib al-Arab uh, and from Andalus respectively. respectively. Uh, uh, and uh, there were those who said that it's not him. But I think if you listen to the bio bi biographical note, and then you listen to the rest of the hadith, you'll understand why a person might think it's the same person. Qadima ala Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama arsalahu ilayhi banu Sa'ad bin Bakr qila kana sanatu khamsin qalahu Muhammad bin Habib wa ghayruhu wa qila sanatu sab'in wa qila sanatu tis'in ذكره ابن هشام عن أبي عبيدة روى حديثه ابن عباس رضي الله تعالى عنهما وأنس وأبو هريرة وطلحة ابن عبيد الله ولم يسمه طلحة وطرفة صحاح So Hafiz ibn, uh, ibn Athir he says that he was a man who came and visited the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم on behalf of his clan in uh, the year five uh, uh, or according to one opinion the year seven or according to one opinion the year nine after hijra uh, hadith uh, his hadith are narrated by uh, carried by ibn abbas and by anas and by abu huraira and by talhat ibn ubaidillah which is the hadith here in particular um, even though talha didn't name him and so uh, now Hafiz ibn, uh, ibn Athir, he narrates a hadith that is purportedly the same, a different narration of the same incident, although some of the ulama say that it's a different incident, wallahu alam. 
so he mentions, I'll drop the uh, Isnad, it's a, uh, narrated by Qurayb, the freed slave of uh, Abdullah bin Abbas anhu, from Abdullah bin Abbas قَالَ بَعْثَ بَنُوا السَّعْدِ بْنِ بَكْرٍ دَمَّامَ أَبْنَ ثَعْلَبَةَ وَافِدًا إِلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فَقَدِمَ عَلَيْهِ So Dammam uh, was sent by his, his clan to meet the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa see what's going on. Uh, and so he, he uh, uh, arrived. فَأَنَاخَ بَعِيرَهُ ثُمَّ عَقَلَهُ عَلَى بَابِ الْمَسْجِدِ So he sat his camel down and he tied it uh, uh, to the door of the masjid. Uh, bold move, right? He's, he's, it's kind of how he's going to do things. وَكَانَ رَجُلًا جَلِدًا ذَا غَدِيرَتَيْنِ that he was, he was a, 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 a tough guy. فَأَقْبَلَ حَتَّى وَقَفَ عَلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَهُوَ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ جَالِسٌ فِي أَصْحَابِهِ So he went and stood in the, he stood uh, in front of the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم while he was sitting with his companions. فَقَالَ أَيُّكُمْ إِبْنُ عَبْدِ الْمُطَّلِبِ He said, which one of you is the, the son of Abdul Muttalib? The, the, the name of the famous well-known grandfather of the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم أَنَا بْنُ عَبْدِ الْمُطَّلِبِ I am the son of Abdul Muttalib. فَقَالَ يَا بْنَا عَبْدِ الْمُطَّلِبِ إِنِّي سَائِلُكَ مُغَلِّظٌ عَلَيْكَ فِي الْمَسْأَلَةِ فَلَا تَجِدَنَّ فِي نَفْسِكَ He says, O oh son of Abdul Muttalib, I'm going to ask you some questions and I'm going to ask really harshly. Uh, so don't, don't take it personally. Right? He's a Bedouin tough guy. He literally tied his camel to the door of the masjid and walked right in, stood right there and said, which one of you is? Anyhow. So he, 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 he made this disclaimer and you know, that's the beauty of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is that he didn't, you know, he didn't take it personally or whatever. فَقَالَ لَا أَجِدُ فِي نَفْسِي سَلْعَمَّا بَدَالَكَ He said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I won't take it personally, ask whatever you wish to ask. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. فَقَالَ أَنْشُدُكَ بِاللَّهِ إِلَهُكَ وَإِلَهُ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلِكَ وَإِلَهُ Sorry, وَإِلَهُ مَنْ هُوَ كَائِنٌ بَعْدَكَ اللَّهُ بَعْثَكَ إِلَيْنَا رَسُولًا He said that I ask you by Allah, like just tell me the straight word, just by Allah. Did the God who of those who were before you and the God of everyone who is here and the God of those who will come after you Allah, uh, did He send you to us as a messenger? And the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he says, Allahumma na'am. He says, oh Allah, bear witness, the answer is yes. It's good to be uh, humble as Muslims, but the haq is the haq, the haq has to be said. The Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam he was humble in all sorts of matters when it came to his own nafs, but when it came to telling the haq, he would, he would say it. He would say it with dignity. قَالَ فَأَنْشُدُكَ بِاللَّهِ أَيْلَاهُكَ وَإِلَاهُ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكَ وَإِلَاهُ مَنْ هُوَ كَائِنٌ بَعْدَكَ اللَّهُ أَمَرَكَ أَنْ نَعْبُدَهُ وَحْدَهُ وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا وَأَنْ نَخْلَعَ هَذِهِ الْأَوْثَانِ الَّتِي كَانَ آبَاؤُنَا يَعْبُدُونَ And so he says, I ask you again, by Allah, just tell me the straight truth by Allah. Uh, did the God of those before you and the God of those who are present and the God of those who will come after Allah command you to worship Him alone and not associate any partner with Him and that we should uh, leave behind our backs the uh, idols that our forefathers uh, worshipped. And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allahumma na'am. Oh Allah, bear witness that the answer is yes. قَالَ ثُمَّ جَعَلَ يَذْكُرُ فَرَائِضَ الْإِسْلَامِ فَرِيضَةً فَرِيضَةً Then the Messenger of Allah started mentioning the obligations of Islam, obligation by obligation. As-salah, wa-zakah, wa-siyam, wa-hajj, wa-shara'i al-islami. First salat, then zakat, then siyam, then hajj, then the different rules of Islam, sacred law of Islam. يَنْشُدُهُ عِنْدَ كُلِّ فَرِيضَةٍ كَمَا نَشَدَهُ فِي الَّتِي كَانَ قَبْلَهَا حَتَّى فَرَغَ And this Dhammam asked him by Allah to swear that this is, you know, that these are actually sent by, these laws are sent by Allah. 
one by one just like he did with the things from before. Uh, all, all the way until the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam completed his list. فَقَالَ إِنِّي أَشْهَدُ أَلَّا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ He says, I bear witness that there's no God except for Allah and that Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is his messenger. وَسَأُؤَدِّي هَذِهِ الْفَرَائِذَ وَأَجْتَنِبُ مَا نَهَيْتَنِي عَنْهُ وَلَا أَزِيدُ وَلَا أَنْقُصُ ثُمَّا صَرَفَ رَاجِعًا He says that I will, I will perform all of these obligations and I will stay away from all of these uh, prohibitions uh, um, that you forbade me from and I'm not going to do anything more or anything less than that. I'm going to do, do exactly what you told me and I'm not going to do more than that and I'm, I'm not going to do any less than that. And then he, uh, he, he left, uh, uh, he left and went back home. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ حِينَ إِنْ يَسْدُقُ that this man who has two braids, if he if he's truthful in what he said, then he'll enter Jannah. Then he'll enter Jannah. And so this is kind of like weird. It's the the Arabian Peninsula was a weird time. It had some weird people in it that were not into like flowery speech or like whatever. They were very straight straight shooter type people. And so he he said he said what was there in his heart and. Uh, some people are like that, they're just like brash and they're, uh, they're just uh, uh, blunt all the time. But there's nothing, there's no, there's no uh, uh, content behind it. There's nothing underneath it that holds it up. But this was a, a man, as the story will show, that uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't like that. And so there's a little bit more that I want to return to, but we'll finish the entry from uh, Ibn al-Athir, uh, he narrates this hadith. He says, So then when he went back, he was sent by his, his tribe, his clan to like go and check out what, what's going on, you know. So he went back to his clan and, he, and they all gathered around him. So he, uh, he, he basically spoke ill of the, the two idols of Lat and Uzza. And they said, O Dhammam, Mahya Dhammam, Ittaqil Baras, Wattaqil Judam, Wattaqil Junun. He said that fear, fear that you're going, to, uh, 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 you're going to be struck with vitiligo or that you're going to be uh, struck with, uh, 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 with leprosy or that you'll be turned mad, right? Now we say, Ittaqillah, fear Allah. They said, no, you should be afraid that you're going to be stuck with, uh, uh, stuck with baras, uh, with vitiligo or with, uh, right? You know vitiligo, right? It's like when your skin starts patching white and then like you lose all of your color, right? Some people are born white, that's, that's it. But I'm just saying like amongst the Arabs, the vitiligo is seen as like some sort of like curse from, from, from above. Right? If you live in Ireland, you may not need your melanin as much as if you live in, uh, like in the Arabian Peninsula, right? So, you know, yeah, yeah, Michael Jackson had vitiligo, you know, some people have it partial, some people have it, but they, they didn't, they didn't take, A, it was very d dangerous for them, and B, they didn't, uh, they took it as some sort of like sign that a person is cursed. Um, and, and like that leprosy and like that uh, losing your mind, which I, hopefully everybody thinks is not a good thing. Uh, although one has to wonder nowadays. And so the, the, you see how like Islam changed that, that the taqwa is not from the, the, the things but from the Allah who is the, the, the one who makes things happen. Uh, you see the superiority of, of, of everything that Islam did. It can change the model of people's thinking. Qala waylakum. He says, ah, fai. He says, curse on you. You guys are telling me to be afraid of, uh, of, of baras and judam and junoon. And he says, وَيْلَكُمْ إِنَّهُمَا عَفْوًا وَاللَّهِ لَا يَضُرَّانِ وَلَا يَنْفَعَنِي So the two Lat and Uzza, these two idols, they uh, indeed by, by Allah swear an oath that they don't harm nor do they benefit. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ بَعْثَ رَسُولًا And Allah Ta'ala sent, sent a messenger وَأَنزَلَ عَلَيْهِ كِتَابًا أَسْتَنْقِذُكُمْ بِهِ مِمَّا كُنْتُمْ فِيهِ and he sent a, his, a book with his messenger and I will, I, I will through it I will save you. Uh, uh, from the, the, the thing that you were in uh, previously. وَإِنِّي أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ رَسُولُهُ 
He says that, uh, I, and I, indeed I bear witness that there is no God except for Allah alone and without any partner and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave and messenger. And I came to you uh, from him with the news of those things that he commands you to do and those things that he forbids you from. So they say that, uh, you know, he spoke with such uh, sincerity and so uh, compellingly that, uh, that there was nobody from their encampment uh, except for no man nor woman except for after that day they were, they, that day they were Muslims. So obviously, you know, we have this thing about like, oh, what kind of thing is that to say? I'm not going to do any more or any less or whatever. But it was sincerity. The sincerity, you know, the other things you can fix later. You can tell somebody why you should read your sunnahs and things like that. That's fine. That's like a smaller issue. But the sincerity, there are many people who know exactly how many sunnahs there are with every salat. But that's the sincerity is an issue. That's why there's no effect in the words. Um, and so he, he, all of his people, they accepted uh, Islam at his hands and they repented. قال ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما فما سمعنا بوافد قط كان أفضل من ضمام أخرجه الثلاثة وضمام آخرهم ميم. So Abdullah bin Abbas رضي الله تعالى عنه he said that wallahi we never there was no person no delegate who ever came to visit the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم on behalf of his people better than ضمام. Why? Because he he got the job done. So now we return to the uh, hadith uh, of Riyadh al-Salihin uh, that this man walks in with crazy hair and we don't understand anything he's saying until he came close to the Messenger of Allah So We can hear him but his speech makes no sense to us. Um, so he asked about what is Islam and the Messenger of Allah said it's five prayers in the day and in the night and he says, am I obliged to do other than them? Uh, he says, no, except for uh, if you do so voluntarily. Um, uh, and then the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he continues, he says that, uh, uh, I'm sorry if any Hanafis got their feelings hurt with, with me. I pray with her too, inshallah, don't take it personally. He says that, uh, he says that, he, says, he continues, he says that, uh, and also to fast the month of Ramadan. And so uh, this man asks, am I obliged to do anything other than that? And the Rasul Sallallahu says, no, uh, not except for, uh, unless you do it voluntarily. And then he, uh, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu mentioned zakat. And uh, he asked, uh, do I have to give any more than that? And he says, no, except for if you do so voluntarily. So the man then turned around and he said, uh, 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 by Allah, I will not uh, increase, do any more than this, or, nor will I reduce. And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, Qad in sadaqa. That this man, if he's truthful, if he keeps his word, then he will be from the people of success. He'll be from the people of felicity and of happiness. And uh, um, interestingly, uh, we see here in uh, the commentary, Ibn Allan. He takes a couple of shots of the Shafi's. Where is it? Uh, no, he takes a couple of shots of the Hanafis. Actually, he, he is a Shafi. Um, Mm, there we go. He says that قَدْ أَفْلَحَ إِنْ That he was a person of success if he's telling the truth. مَعْنَاهُ ظَاهِرٌ بِاعْتِبَارِ مَا تَقَدَّمَ وَقَالَ بْنُ الْعَرَبِ فِي كِتَابِهِ الْقَبَسِ إِنَّمَا قَالَ لَهُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ ذَلِكَ لِأَنَّهُ أَوَّلُ مَا أَسْلَمَ فَأَرَادَ أَنْ يَطْمَئِنَّ فُؤَادُهُ وَبَعْدَ ذَلِكَ يَفْعَلُ مَا سِوَاهَا and so he says that uh, he says that Ibn, Ara Ibn al Arabi, the the Maliki Qadi, uh, not the uh, Sahib al Futuhat, uh, he's buried out outside the gates of Fas, but he was the Qadi of Ishbili of Seville. Allah Ta'ala free it once again. Uh, that he, in his book, Al Qabas, 
He mentioned that the Messenger of Allah didn't like bust his chops about not reading Sunnah, not necessarily because it's not part of Islam, but because this man had just accepted Islam. And he wanted him to, him to uh, be at peace with what he had and then afterward motivate to do what's more than that. And that's what the, one of the differences between farth and between things that are not farth. Is the things that are farth, it's a commandment, you know, and you stay firm on it. The things that are not far, the most you can and the most you should do is motivate people to do those things. Motivate them to do those things. We don't force them because then it turns into a bid'ah. Uh, it turns into a bid'ah then. Even something that's a sunnah can turn into a bid'ah if you, if you like force them and you start to make inkar on them for not doing it and you know whatever, you don't give them some slack because everybody has a capacity of what they can do. For some people, waking up for Fajr itself is itself a monumental task and it's for them that's enough of a task that in it is wrapped up the reward of uh, of of the sunnahs and the reward of tahajjud and all of these things as well so you should let them struggle with that before like piling them on with so many things that they become despondent and hopeless and there, there are some people who that's their their task and they struggle with it and they surmount it they get over it and they read their sunnahs afterward and they get that much more reward on top of it as well. So a person shouldn't be like, yeah, that's me. I don't have to do anything. Like, but in the beginning, focus on what's, what, the, what, what, what the farida is and what your Islam is built on. And then after you give targhib, you, you motivate people to do what's more by making them understand that it's in their best interest. When Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhuma أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعث معاذا إلى اليمن فقال دعوهم إلى الشهادة أن لا إله إلا الله وأني رسول الله فإنهم أطاعوا لذلك فأعلم فأعلمهم أن الله تعالى افترض عليهم خمس صلوات في كل يوم وليلة فإنهم أطاعوا لذلك فأعلمهم أن الله افترض عليهم أن تؤخذ من أغنيائهم وترد أو ترد على فقرائهم. I think there's a yeah there's a meme missing here. الله ما شاء الله. أن الله افترض عليهم تؤخذ من أغنيائهم وترد على فقرائهم متفق عليه that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم is narrated by Abdullah bin Abbas رضي الله عنه that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم sent Mu'ad bin Jabal رضي الله عنه to be the judge and the governor over the people of Yemen and he was an Ansari, he wasn't a nobleman of Quraysh, and he was a very young man, but he was competent. Islam works on meritocracy. You don't have to be from the royal family in order to, like, you know, make it. If you're from the royal family and you also have merit, good for you, right? But you don't have to be. It's the, the merit that makes a person fly and, and worthy of these positions. Um, so he, sends, he sent him and he gave him the general advice that says that call the people to testify that there's no God except for Allah. The idea meaning what? That you don't force Islam on individuals. That there's no God except for Allah and that Muhammad is his messenger. And if they, and if they uh, obey, then uh, uh, inform them that Allah Most High has made an obligation upon them to pray their five daily prayers uh, uh, by, by day and night. And if they obey, then... Uh, inform them that Allah Ta'ala has obliged uh, upon them that certain wealth should be taken from their rich and it should be returned to the poor. So hadith muttafaqun alayhi. It is uh, um, narrated both by Bukhari and Muslim. And the thing that I wanted to mention that, that connects this hadith from the one that's from before is you notice there's a tartib, right? There's a, a, a hierarchy of order. Don't just blast them. You know, Islam says that, like, you know, being gay is haram or whatever, right?
Islam says that abortion is haram. Some types of abortion are haram. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, they are. But what's the first thing you're supposed to tell them? What's the emphasis supposed to be on, right? What is Islam defined by? It's defined by the Shahadatain, which is itself a representative of what? Of the Aqaid of Islam. And then the Salat and the Zakat are representative of the Sharia of, Sharia of Islam, of the sacred law. It's like somebody comes up to me, you know, so I'm going to do an interview. About, we're going to do a biopic piece about the life of Hamza. Okay, and the first thing they say, is it true that, you know, in 2012 you used to weigh 310 pounds. It's not how I want to define myself, right? I can, I can lie and be like, no, it was only 309, right? And that was with my clothes on. I don't know, like, you, what, you're already on the back heel. You've already skewed the entire story. When our enemies do that to us, and they do it, you know, they, you know, that was the original Aladdin. Apparently, one of the lines in the introductory song is, I come from a land from a faraway place where they cut off your hand if they don't like your face, which is not quite how the had punishment works. But still, just the mention of the amputation, that's, that's, that's what, what, you know, like whatever executives at Disney, that's their, how they're going to make Islam look like, right? Okay, the had punishment is part of, you know, it's part of, uh, part of our sacred sharia, but that's not what defines it. How many of you have ever seen somebody amputated before, or been amputated yourself, or amputated somebody? There's a great possibility that our entire life will pass without any of those things happening. And we're still Muslims. Does it define your Islam? No. If it happens, if it comes to pass, it is part of our deen. We're not going to deny that. But it's not what defines the deen, right? So this is lost on... A lot of people, if the executives in Disney is lost on them, you would expect that much from them. The sad part is now it's lost on the Muslims themselves. And uh, then what happens if you say this, oh look, Sheikh Hamza is against the had punishments and he's against the Sharia and he's like a compassionate Imam and he, oh look, nuance again and all this. Bye, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. There are so many Abu Abu Sharia, mashallah, people don't know what they are. And they'll never know what they are, even to enact them for all their sloganeering. There are some Abu Abu Sharai that we've practiced that other people, like, you know, would shudder to think if they did, because their parents would stop talking to them, and their wife would leave them, their husband would leave them, or whatever, right? That's not the point. For the people who want to, whatever, act like life is a Facebook comment uh, wall or whatever, good for you, you guys. They're not even here anymore, alhamdulillah, mashallah. This is one of the reasons I like this gathering is because we don't have to worry about them anymore. They're not in the room right now. For us, we should understand what the idea is that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his nubuwa is ilm and it's islah. It's knowledge and it's practical, the practical uh, understanding of how to implement that knowledge in order to make society a better place. The idea is that there's only one sunnah way of implementing the knowledge, which is islah. Something that takes something broken or messed up and fixes it. There's no Nabawi model of taking something messed up and then introducing more chaos into the system. That's not how that works. The knowledge is the knowledge. It doesn't get changed, it doesn't get changed by the Islahi uh, 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 environment around you, right? But the Islah is what? The Islah is first teach them about the Aqaid of Islam, get them to accept it, then emphasize on the Salat, then emphasize on the Zakat. That there's a hierarchy within the Sharia and there's a hierarchy between the Sharia and between the, uh, between the Aqaid as well. Does this mean that if somebody doesn't, you know, you're talking about Allah being one to them, that all of a sudden Zakat is not farth? Absolutely not. Zakat is still farth and the thief still gets his hand cut off and there's still so many lashes for being drunk and still so many lashes for, you know, committing zina unless you're muhsan and there's still rajam and there's all, everything is still there and there's still so many rak'ahs of sunnah and taraweeh is always 20 in any case, right? All of that. It's still there. It's still true. None of it is not true. It's not like the Prophet says, ah, make taqiyah or like, you know, hide it from that. No. But the idea is what? When you want to define Islam as it defines itself, the most important thing you should talk about first is the aqaid of Islam, 
the Tawheed of Allah Ta'ala, the Risala of the Prophet وسلم, the Sami'iyat, the Ghaybiyat about, about the unseen that are conveyed by the Qur'an unambiguously. And then all of the other things also, you know, you don't compromise the, the, the higher objective for the sake of the lower one. This is not the ilm, the ilmi uh, sunnah. The ilmi sunnah is all of it's true at the same time simultaneously. This is what the islah in this hadith shows that what he's saying, do this, then do that, do that, then do the other thing. Then do the other thing. And so this is, yes, I do have an axe to grind that you're probably going to have to hear for, from me. You know, like maybe you'll stop coming because you say he talks about it all the time again and again. But it, it is an axe that I have to grind. There are certain, certain sharia, certain furu of the sharia that are true. Nobody's in their right mind should deny them. Uh, but people completely, all of those things, and I bet you if you look at them, they're not eating halal, they're not waking up for fajr, they're not, you know, uh, they're fardain, they haven't, you know, received, they think, you know, all sorts of things about the basics of Islam that are like skewed and messed up in seven different ways. And someone might say, well, I don't have any of those problems, you know, uh, so why, why are you talking about me? I'm like, no. I'm talking about you because you don't have any of those problems, that's good for you, but because you think that some other Far'i issue of Islam, protesting it for, you know, because it's, it's not agreed upon amongst the kuffar is a bigger problem to you in the world than the fact that nobody, these things that I, these five things, three things that I mentioned, nobody even in the ummah understands them properly. That you think that the former is a bigger problem than the latter, this is a, a problem. This is a problem that the Islah is, is, a person hasn't learned the sunnah of Islah in. Uh, what the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught because these are really big problems. We don't have an ummah that we can be taken credibly by any kafir when we say that this is what Islam says. We don't even have an ummah that can be taken credibly when we speak to them about what Islam says until we fix these things ourselves. When we live the life ourselves, then we'll be like those people who come back to our qom and they say uh, the haq and people will listen because people can tell who's a liar and who's not a liar. Not everybody is going to uh, listen. There are some people who are even immune to sincerity. But there are, in every group of people, someone or another that, that's, that's not, that the sincerity clicks with. If you don't have that, you're just, you know, just one, one more video amongst like the billion videos on YouTube. Uh, uh, and so uh, that's uh, very clearly uh, shown from this, uh, from this hadith. It's interesting, mashallah, the next hadith that's coming up, I wanted to spend the longest amount of time on that hadith. But it seems that we're nearing the end of our hour. So I'm going to save it for next week, inshallah. It's a very beautiful and elegant hadith, inshallah, even if you don't have a chance to make it to the dars. Um, do listen online, inshallah. Uh, which reminds me, next week we're not going to have dars, so it'll be two weeks from now. Because next week the Eid is going to be on Saturday, inshallah. And then the second day will be on, uh, on Sunday, and I plan on slaughtering in the second day at a place that's somewhere far from here. So I don't even know if I, I'll be able to make it back. And it's Eid anyway. Take the day off, go celebrate, have, have fun. My courtesy and loving reminder to all, uh, everybody here that uh, um, if you haven't done so, make arrangements to make your udhiyah. If you cannot do it by your own, your own hand, there are places you can send it overseas as well. There are people who need, uh, who need the f money and need the meat and things like that. And uh, ironically, we're talking about zakat and it's so mismanaged by so many people. So please don't ask me to make public endorsements of things. If you do need to know where I would hope that you can roll the dice and Vegas says that you should come out on top, inshallah, I'll be happy to tell you about that privately. But uh, um, but make sure that you do get it done. Uh, that that animal is Yom Al-Qiyamah will be resurrected and you'll be resurrected with it and it will be your riding beast uh, on the Day of Judgment to the Hashar and Nashar. So hopefully, mashallah, all of you pious and wonderful people, you'll have an entire flock with you uh, as part of your entourage. Uh, not just the animals, but the angels and uh, those people who you guide to uh, the Haqq as well. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us tawfiq. Uh, sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.